So, this week, it's a little standoff. It's not like a, uh, in a series or anything like that. I'm going to try and open this to the spot. Oh, I'm gutted. That was clean. Um, it's just like a little standoff thing. It's um, something that's been one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. It's like the thing I keep going back to. If you are on Instagram a lot, it's um, the little statement is in my bio, and it's been there for a few years. Um, so is everybody familiar with the good old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego story? The homies in that, that blazing furnace. That's where we're going to go today. So if you have your Bible, let's go to Daniel chapter 3. Give me a yes, sir, when you're there. Yeah, you guys are liars. There's no way you got there that fast, bro. There's no way. There is no way. That's got to be wrong. But all right, so we'll go to Daniel 3, and then I'm going to start in verse 4, and I'm going to read like a decent amount, okay? So bear with me because this is small. Okay, then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, zither, uh, flute, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every tongue fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said that King Nebuchadnezzar, <clears throat> they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all those instruments must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship that would be thrown into the furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So let's take a quick pause right there. What's happening in this story? King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon at the time, and the Jews, the Israelites, have been exiled out of, ex- out of Israel, and they are now in captivity, slavery in Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar is forcing them all to bow down to this big golden statue of himself whenever um, they hear the music. So the three Jews of the story, Shadrach, Meshach, and, Aben- and Abednego, were brought into Babylon as slaves of war, essentially. They were exiled out of their country, and they're just chilling there. But they refuse to bow down. So all the governors and like high-up people get mad at that. There is probably some discrimination because they're of a different race, a different uh, ethnicity to them. So they get all mad. They're not obeying you. They're all already exiled, so what do they have to lose? So they said, forget it. We're not going to bow, right? So we'll go back. Daniel 3.13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the, the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Dude, those, these names are crazy. <laughs> they, they trip me up every time. And in the beginning of the book, this is, sorry, this is off topic, but in the beginning of the book, their actual like Hebrew names are different. This is just their Babylonian names. And those ones are way harder. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve the gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them. I'm just saying them now. (laughs) And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times normal and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in all of his army to tie, tie Shadrach, Meshach, and, Aben- and Abednego up, throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men were wearing, wearing the robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers that were holding Shadrach, Meshach, and, Aben- and Abednego. Can you imagine that? That flame is so hot that from, like, me to the front row, they're throwing these dudes in, and they died. That's, that's crazy, bro. Imagine that. So that happens, right? They're like, shoot, we just got cooked, literally. But King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look. I see four men walking around unharmed, and the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and then all the governors and government people that were there were like, this is crazy, he's not burned at all, stop, Ken. I get it. English is not my first language. It is. No, it's a joke. Nobody laughed. But okay. So let's just recap the story really quick. There's exiles in Babylon. They're not having a good time. They're told every time this music plays, you've got to bow down and worship this golden thing. They say, mm, we don't really feel like doing that. We're going to worship our God, the God of Israel, the one true God, Yahweh. And we're just going to pray to him. We're not going to bow down to this. So the governors of the place go to the king and they tell him, yo, these dudes are doing that. They're not obeying your commands. So he gets mad, throws them in the furnace. Jesus shows up in the furnace. They're good, right? They come out of the furnace unhurt, unburned. And then the story ends with Nebuchadnezzar coming to faith in the one true God. But if you keep reading the book, it doesn't end well for that homie. He still gets annihilated. But you can read ahead and find that. But what I want to focus on tonight is verse um, 18, right when it starts. So 17 and 18. That says, 
if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Then this is the, this is the kicker. But even if he does not, we want you to know that your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Let's pray real quick. Dear God, we just come before you and we just thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to to gather and fellowship in your name. God, I pray that your word would just come alive to us right now, that it would be your words and not mine. God, I pray that your spirit would be in the room. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's paint, let's imagine this. You're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace, and you say, okay, you can do that. My God's going to save me. But even if he doesn't, you can still throw me in the fire. That is something that kind of shook me up because so often I think we paint, we paint God as the God of the miracle, and we wish that part wasn't there. We wish it just ended with, our God's going to save us. Forget, the, forget that second statement, right? There's so many times we walk into times of sickness, right? Somebody gets a real, real, somebody in your family or even you gets a bad diagnosis and you say, God's going God's gonna to change this. But then when it comes to that second part, but even if he doesn't, Right? It gets real, real hard. So that's, that's the highlight that I want to kind of hit on. And it comes from a place of believing God, not just believing in God. I have, I've had this conversation with a couple friends lately, and it popped up. I posted a thing on Instagram about it yesterday, too. This video of uh, Pastor Jude Fuquay talking about it. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just believed in God, that statement would have been a lot harder to make, right? It's really, it's really hard to just believe, or it's really easy to just believe in something. Like as a kid, sorry, I believed in Santa, right? You can still believe in Santa, that's fine, but it's, it's relatively easy to do that. You go to sleep Christmas Eve and you wake up and there's presents downstairs. Oh, Santa came. It's, it's pretty easy to, to believe that, right? But it's another thing to believe Santa. That becomes a lot harder. I don't think any of us have met him. Unless you've been to the mall. But do you, see, do you see what I'm saying? It's a lot easier to believe in something than it is to believe something or someone. It's a lot easier for me to, to, to believe Logan exists because I can see him right there. It's a lot harder for me to believe Logan when he tells me something. It just is. That's just human nature. Now, Logan's a trustworthy person, so I know he wouldn't lie. But just for the sake of the story, does that make sense? It's the same thing with God. So often, it's, it's relatively easy to believe in God. I mean, if you, can, you can get there logically. If you, if you really want to get in that debate, come talk to me. <laughs> but, 
but it's relatively easy to prove God. A lot of people will say it's not, but it, but it is, even scientifically. But it's a lot harder to believe the things he says. Sometimes, just being honest. Right? So what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have that we, that we don't? Nothing. <laughs> they don't have anything that we don't have. In fact, they have less. They hadn't experienced Jesus. Jesus hadn't come yet. This is the Old Testament. Right? But what, what did they use? Sometimes I think we don't use. The Bible. Because how did they, did they come to not just believe in a God, not just to believe in Yahweh, but to believe Yahweh? This. Right? This and the stories of their, their ancestors. That's all they had. They had prophets. Daniel was a prophet. He's in, the, he's in this book. He's in the narrative. So they could have overheard him, but they had to believe him. Right? So there's a there's a real big difference in just believing in something and then believing something. So how how did they do that? By by understanding the Bible, by reading the Bible, yeah, by by the stories of their ancestors. But I think and I think sometimes we we sit around and we wait for God to speak, but he already spoke this entire book. Like all we have to do is sit there and read it, and God will speak to you. And oftentimes, at least from my own experience, God speaking to you isn't an audible voice. Not saying he can't do that. That's just not how he's spoken to me. He speaks to me in, in that, that slight thing in your head. We were at Andreas and uh, Jeremiah were with us, and Brian. We went to a little conference uh, two weeks ago. And uh, we, me and Jeremiah went to the missions um, out breakout thing, but he did this little exercise that was that I thought was pretty cool. So everybody, close your eyes real quick. Think of ice cream. Everybody got it? Okay, open your eyes. That's what God will sound like in your head most times. That simple. That's the example he used. He won't be saying ice cream, but that same sensation of just something pops in your head. Weigh that. That could be the voice of God, right? And then believe him. Not blindly, tested against this. Right? That's how that's what that's one of the things I believe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They believed God and they tested it against their will, but they tested it. Right? They said, You can throw us in that furnace and my God will save me. <laughs> but even if he doesn't, I still trust him. Because I believe his character. Because I know what he did in Egypt when he brought my ancestors out of slavery. Because I know what he did to Elijah where he supplied him with food from a bird during a famine. All those things. Those are, those are stories that we can relate to in the Bible, but we have our own. God, you provided my family when we were going through it. So I believe you. But even if you don't, I know that there's more. It's, it's easy, uh, easy for us to paint God as the God of the miracles. And don't get me wrong, that is great. 
And if you want to pray for a miracle, we want to pray for the miracle, I will pray for it 10 out of 10 times. Because I believe God is the God of miracles. God can do miracles. But I think it's a dangerous framework to only look at him as the God of miracles and not the God of the mundane. Right? If we only look at God as the God of miracles, we'll often miss God moving right in front of us in the most mundane of things in the most, even negative things, right? Like being thrown in a fiery furnace. <laughs> I pray that none of us ever have to face that <laughs> that uh, in our day-to-day lives. That would be crazy. <laughs> Not, you'd have to have a lot more faith than me because I would be freaking out. But my God will save me. And even if, it does, even if he doesn't, I'm going in the fire. Right? It worked for them because they believed the God they believed God and the miracle that came true. God saved them. So it worked out for them. What happens when it doesn't work out for me? That's probably the question we're asking. That's the question I get stuck on. It worked in this Bible story. Oh, this is really cool. Like, oh my God will save me, but even if he doesn't, yeah, blah blah blah. Oh, but he does. So what happens, you, you could be saying, and I've said to myself, okay, that's cool. That's a cool sediment, but what if he doesn't? Right? What happens when the miracle doesn't happen? What happens when you don't get the job? What happens when you don't get the healing? What happens when you lose that family member? And you've been praying for it the whole time. What happens when it doesn't work? It comes down to the to the first thing I said again, do we believe God or not? Sometimes the miracle isn't going to happen in your earthly life, which is kind of hard to understand, right? But believing God means trusting that even if they're suffering in this, in this life, that there's eternal life after this. And that's the promise that I can hold to. That's the thing that gives me the but even if he doesn't. Because but even if he doesn't in my physical life, he will in eternity. Right? That's where this whole thing that's what this whole thing leans on. The promise of earthly blessing is actually seldomly given in the Bible. I mean, it says blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are all these things. But being blessed and being rich are two different things. <laughs> And I think society today has made being, being rich the definition of being blessed. And I think there's a problem with that. The promise isn't earthly, earthly status. It's eternal communion with the God of the universe. I don't know about you guys, but that sways me. That sways me to step into the but even if he doesn't, he promises to have eternal relationship with me. But even if my family member doesn't get saved and they, they die, right? It's heavy, but it's a real thing. But even if, if that miracle doesn't happen, he's given me the miracle of resurrection life. He's given me the miracle of eternal communion with him. And there's no sacrifice in this life that I would give up for that. 
right? I, I know this is kind of a tough, heavy topic, but I think it's important to talk about um, because I think so many times we get left wandering and asking questions and I'm not trying to negate the hurt of some of these situations. It hurts. It sucks bad, right? I, I pray that none of us have to go through something like that super hard. And I pray that the miracle does come because God is the God of the miracles, right? Amen? And he can do those things. And like I said, I'm going to pray for them every time. Every time there's a need, I'm not going to not pray because, but even if he doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. I'm still going to pray for it. I just need a framework that won't leave me in a complete tailspin if it doesn't happen. And I think relying on, on God to only do the miraculous in our sight is dangerous. Do we believe him or not? That's the question. And so, like it says here, the the only thing I just want to drive drive down like super hard is the fact that I want our group to be a group of people whose faith will stand even if the miracle doesn't happen. I want to be the group that has the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. Right? And I know, like I've said it already, it's a tough subject and it's hard to think about. And it's not fun to think about the miracle not happening. But it's, an, it's a little bit of motivation to make sure everybody you know has at least heard the gospel. You can't force them to be saved, but you can give them the opportunity. And it kind of lightens the burden, right? Because if we could all just understand that, but even if the miracle doesn't happen now, we all, every Christian, everybody who confesses Jesus is their Savior, gets eternity with him in heaven, right? That's something to be happy about, (laughs) And that's the biggest miracle of all. The biggest miracle of all is that one man came down from heaven, gave up his heavenly throne and said, I'll be one of them and then I'll die in their place, take all their sin and then I'll accede back up there and then I'm coming back for them. I'm not even going to leave them after that. That's a miracle. (laughs) In the the biggest definition of the term. So if we can get as many people as as we can on board with that, it becomes a lot easier to think, to widen our lens to an earthly miracle being small. Does that make sense? Even if the healing doesn't happen, this is a scary thing. Even if the, the healing doesn't happen earthly, if they're a Christian, they're at the best place they possibly could be, right? It sucks for everybody around them that loved them a ton. But they're in heaven, man. They're partying. They're turning up, right? So that's what, what I just kind of want to get across. Let's be a group that walks in faith so much so that even if he doesn't do the crazy miraculous in front of us, 
we'll walk in the in the miracle of resurrection life and we will not our trust won't waver right he's still god i still believe him but even if he doesn't i still believe what he told me he would do who he says he is and in turn of that who i am brett talked about that at camp god's holy right and he calls us to be holy he calls us to be set apart and when we were singing that song over over and over, that's the name of it, and we did sing it over and over. But the the well, I don't know the musical, what is it, the chorus, the bridge, I don't know. But he just says, yeah, stop, Kevin. He just says, or we just say, uh, I'll never grow tired of telling you you're worthy. Right? And indirectly, that that tells us we're worthy. We're worth something because he's worthy of it all. So I kind of want to do what we did last week because I thought that was really cool. Um, so there's only a few, a few girls, so you guys could just do one group. Um, and then we'll just do, do uh, groups of three with the guys. Or if there's an odd one, just do four. But let's just spread out across the room. And uh, I think it's biblical that, that we share kind of the burden, that we walk through life together, not just by ourselves. So... Get in your little group, and then let's just let's just talk about something. What are, what are those? But even if he doesn't, situations that you've had, right? Maybe it's a job, maybe it's uh, health in you or your family. And let's believe for the miracle. For one, the first thing, let's pray over each other and let's believe for the miracle. But then let's also just strengthen each other and say, hey, but even if he doesn't. He's still God, and I trust him.